Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're talking about money. We're on week number four. Uh, how many of you took your things home last week and you sat down with your the last sheet I gave you, the list of debts, and you filled that out so you know exactly what you owe anybody, interest rates and all that. Anybody? Well, there's a few of you. All right. All right, well, good. You got that. Now, I also asked you if you had questions that you wanted to see us cover or just touch on that you would write them down and bring them back. Did anybody do that? You guys are not very good. You get an E for not any effort. How about that? Does anybody have any questions or anything they would like to see us mention this week or next week? Man, well, I have some scrap paper for you to write the questions down on. If, you, if you've got one before you leave here tonight, I want you to come get a piece of, piece of scrap paper, and we'll see what we can do when, as we wrap this stuff up probably next week. So um, come get the scrap paper and do that. All right, tonight we're going to, I'm going to have to wrap it up next week because the next week after that is the Duke prayer conference. Okay, tonight we're going to talk about uh, bank accounts real quick. Got some things I wanted to go back and pick up and mention to you about your bank accounts. Um, if you're going to open a bank account, pay attention to what the fees are. Pay attention to what they're going to charge you for. Pay attention to what they're going to say you owe them. I mean, you don't have to have fancy checks. You can just find an account that, that provides checks for you. You can find a, an account that will pay you some interest or at least not cost you anything. Make sure you take a look and see if there's a minimum balance you need to keep in your checking account so that you don't have to pay fees. You know, that would be good. Um, how many of you use debit cards? Oh, yeah. how about it? Okay, now tell me, why do you like a debit card? It's handy, it's quicker. It's what? It's, it's, I mean, that's money gone right out of that bank right then. Okay, now tell me the downsides. You forget to write it down. Or if you didn't check your bank balance before you started using that debit card for the day, and you go over what your balance is, you're in trouble. Some people do really good with debit cards and some people don't. Figure out which one you are and do accordingly, okay? Debit cards, I don't... What? Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. That is one thing that debit cards are... Debit cards are not protected, you know, from a theft of your identity. You know, you have a credit card and somebody puts, gets a hold of your number, puts something on there that is not your charge. You know, you can dispute that. They'll take that off while they're investigating, all that kind of stuff. Somebody gets a hold of your pen or gets a hold of your debit card and manages to get money out. You are just out of luck. Has that happened to anybody? Somebody told me about it. Who did that? Who's, who said that they had somebody who they realized had gotten hold of their pen number or something at a at a fast food place. Some Yeah. 
If they know, if they know a debit card number, you're just, you're just out of luck. So there are pros and cons to using debit cards. The biggest one, I think, is failing to write down in your checkbook when you've used one. And so then you go, whoa, where'd all my money go? Because you didn't keep those receipts. Make sure you, you, know, you match things up, what comes on your bank statement and what you actually have spent. A bank account, I know a lot of people don't like bank accounts, but yet there are three things a bank account will help you do. One of them is to manage your money more effectively. Number two is to establish credibility. You know, when you go down, you apply for a credit or you go in and, and they want to, uh, some kind of, like maybe you go to rent something. You go rent, up, rent up an apartment or whatever. They want to know about your bank account. Do you have a bank account? They'll go back and look, see if you've had how many numbers of insufficient checks you've had. It establishes your credibility where the handling of your money is concerned. And it also has, says a lot about the stability of your financial existence here. You know, are you really stable? One of the things you, one of the things you don't want to do is to open a checking account and start with 100 on your check numbers. Anything that's really low, people know that it's a brand new checking account, and so you may have a problem in a couple of places with that. You think that's crazy? It's really not, because that does happen. So if you ever start over with a new checking account, start in the 1,000s. You know, it'll just save you some aggravation down the line. I think I'm up into the 13,000s right now. And they keep saying, don't you want to start? No, I don't want to start over with new numbers. This is where I'm at. This is where I want to stay. So, okay. <laughs> so they have to come up with five numbers on a check. But uh, do that. Um, how many of you have automatic deductions that come out of your accounts? Have you had problems with them at any time? I've heard of a couple of people who did have problems where something was brought, brought in, come in and it was deducted twice and it took them like three months to get it straightened out. So just be forewarned that that is a possibility. Keep a good check on that. Now let's move on to, to the infamous plastic stuff. Credit cards. Aren't they wonderful? Credit cards can be wonderful. Credit cards can be the most horrendous thing you've ever gotten involved in. But I think the benefit of using a credit card is, one, number one, Kendra's already mentioned that, you have some protection where, where identity theft is concerned. You also have a good way to keep record of what you've spent. If you have any disputes at all, the credit card company will be very happy to help you with that. If you're like me and you have a credit card that earns you points, you can either get cash back or you can get reward points to do certain things. We've gone to Hawaii on points, thank God. You know, it took a long time to accumulate that many points, but we used enough points on there our, last, our last trip there to, uh, we didn't have any money out of pocket on an airline ticket just because we were able to do that. So, I mean, there are some benefits to it. You need to shop around, make sure you know what, what the credit card interest is, make sure you know that um, if it's going to change, should you be late with a payment, that'll cause it to go up. If you pass a certain threshold on that credit card, some credit card companies will raise that. The ideal way to do a credit card is to pay it off every single month. That really is the only way to have a credit card, is to only have and only use to the extent that you can pay it off every single month. Do not incur credit card debt. Years ago when they gave you a tax deduction, for interest on anything, you know, you could, you could take the credit card interest and you could deduct that. Well, it really wasn't much of a deduction. I mean, it didn't gain you a whole lot, but at least it was something. Don't do that today. You know, 
Pay what you have to pay to get it paid every single month. If you can't pay it off in a month, unless it's an unusual circumstance, then you shouldn't be using it. And how many of you have more than, say, two credit cards? Anybody? Yes, of any kind. More than, more than two. All, all credit cards of any kind, more than two. Why do you have more than two? Huh? Just because? Not good enough. <laughs> Why, what are the reasons do you have more than two credit cards? Lori? Did it save you a lot of money? See, now they get you with this thing about if you'll open a credit card with us, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Well, if you're making a major purchase, a major purchase, that's not a bad thing as long as you know that as soon as you get that thing paid off, you don't use it anymore. I mean, I go in there, you know, I would go in there and make that one purchase, get my 10% off, and out the door I go. With I'm not using that card anymore at all for anything. Do you realize that the credit card interest rate from these stores and all that is very high? Get rid of them. You don't need anything more than a MasterCard or a Visa. Um, you're, you, the problem is, is you begin to spread your money out. You realize if you, have, if you have one credit card, you could make a payment. Say, let's just make some round numbers here. You could make a credit card payment on that one card of, say, 250 bucks in a month. If you have five credit cards, that 250 bucks is going to get spread amongst five different accounts. And usually, it's not going to bring your balances down that much. Now, I believe the laws have changed because I haven't paid some, any credit card interest in so long. But I believe the, the laws have changed. It used to, they would say that a minimum payment on a credit card would be this amount of money. Well, that amount of money rarely even covered the interest. So you're about to be paying interest on the interest. That's, that's a ter- terrible thing to be doing. So if you're going to make a minimum payment on a credit card, you make sure that it covers at least the full amount of the interest for that month. Let me, let me tell you this up. Let me read you this. It's amazing how people get themselves into credit card debt, and it's easy to do. But listen to this. If your credit card balance is $8,000, and that's not unheard of these days, If your credit card balance is $8,000 and you make the minimum monthly payment at 18% interest, it will take you 25 years and seven months to pay it off. Now, that's assuming that you don't use it for anything else. And that's only when you stop spending. Come on, guys. $8,000 minimum payment, 25 years and seven months to pay it off if you don't use it for one more thing. At the end of that time, you will have paid over $15,000 in interest charges, bringing your total payments to $23,432. That is a waste of the resources God has given you. So take credit cards that you've got. Take your Macy's, take your pennies, take your Sears, take your Belks, take your other gas company cards, and take the scissors to them if you want to get out of debt. Now, if you don't, you're perfectly happy doing this. That's fine, but you shouldn't be. 
This is what we remember what we said the first week. We're supposed to be stewards of the resources that God has given us. That is not being a good steward of those resources. Every time somebody tries to ask me if I want to use, oh, don't you have a Macy's card? Don't you have a Belt's card? Wouldn't you like one? No, I wouldn't like one. But you could say if I said, no, I wouldn't like one. The, the cost to you in the long run, if you get used to using it, will be far greater than the 10% you save that particular day. It is not worth it, okay? So you just need to just keep on going, but you, you just need to just not do that. Take your cards. If a visa is not good enough, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Actually, one card would probably be sufficient for almost anybody. There are a few places that will take MasterCard but not Visa. There's a lot of places that will take Visa and not MasterCard. I think when you were in Africa, you, were, you found yourself in a couple of places that would only take Visa. That's it. That's the only American credit card that they would take. And, um, you know, if you travel overseas, it's certainly important that you find out about those kind of things and, and know that if you travel overseas, and Tim, I guess you could probably verify this, that there are currency exchange rates that your card may charge you, which sometimes can be as much as 5%. So you don't want to do that. You need to find it before you ever go overseas anywhere, find a credit card that has none of those charges or at least has a very minimal uh, currency exchange charge on that. Um, you know, there's just really not much reason. I carry two credit cards only because my American Express is my primary, and there's a lot of places that won't take American Express. That's the only reason for my second one. But the second one is only used when I have to, and it's, and it's just, I mean, just whatever I absolutely have to put on that one when the, the American Express won't do. So you need to do that. Um, you know, this credit cycle, it, be, it begins as soon as kids get to college. There's credit card offers in the mail constantly. And there's, there's something, there's some good things about a credit card as a young person. You know, it will help establish some credit history. But the best thing for a young person to do is to maybe to get a credit card with a very low limit, say like $500, and never exceed that $500 until they have, you know, established some kind of a credit history. And six months is a good place at which, you know, they're going to start reporting that you've paid, that you've paid well, that you've paid on time. And that seems as important to pay on time as it is anything. As soon as you're late, some of these credit card companies, as soon as you're late one time, they can bump an interest from 8, 9, 10% all the way up to, to over, over 20. You know, and so you suddenly go, ah, what happened? Well, if you're late with the payment, read the fine print. They can do that. Anytime you get a credit card, read the fine print. It can cost you dearly later down the line because you didn't realize that that was in there. But if you have to, some of us, as we're getting a little older, need the magnifying glasses to read the fine print. You know, but get it out. It will pay you in the long run to know what you're getting into. But like I said, get those credit cards out and cut them up, please. If, there's, if you've got more than one or two, it's not helping you. Really, it's not. And in fact, on your credit scores, the more credit cards out there you have, the harder it is on your credit score. Credit scores, they like to see a good credit score is something over 700. Uh, I think the top of the line for credit cards or credit scores is somebody, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's about 840 to 850. Who knows? Is it 850? Okay. The top, I mean, the, I, mean does, I don't know anybody who's ever gotten an 850. You know, but, you know, 700, they consider very good. I think the 
Last time we had our credit checked, ours was about eight, 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 six, or something like that. It was mine was higher than his. <laughs> How that happened, I don't know. We live in the same house, pay the same bills, <laughs> and he never spends any money. Well, I don't say that. Um, he, j- you don't pay the bills. You spend the money. You don't pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but so you, if that many credit cards will affect your credit rating. Uh, whether you paid it late, whether you paid it what they call slow pay, that affects your credit rating. Even if you applied for a credit card that you decided not to take, that can affect your credit rating. If you go and you say, well, let me just check and see, you know, what this would cost, and you fill out a credit thing and they turn it in, you know, that will affect your credit rating, even if you don't use it. Uh, if, you, if you apply for a, a home equity line of, say, $20,000, they list a debt of $20,000 on your credit report because you have ex- access to $20,000. Maybe you haven't used a dime of that $20,000 equity line, but they still will report it as a $20,000 debt because you could spend that tomorrow. So, I mean, a lot of things will affect your credit scores and your credit report. So you need to, to look into those things. They will do that on credit cards. You know, of course, is a big thing on your credit reports as, as well. So you need to take, keep a good eye on those. Um, never get a credit card that starts charging you interest from the time that you bought thing. You need to make sure the credit card that you get is a credit card that will give you a grace period, you know, through a particular cycle so that when you get the bill, you've got the opportunity to pay that thing in full without any interest charges. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, anytime I get a credit card bill, I know exactly what I owe them to that particular day that that bill comes in my hand, not the day that they actually had the cycle. It stopped the cycle like on the 8th. They mailed it out on the 10th. Maybe I got it on the 14th. I know exactly what I owe them on the 14th. As of the 14th, it's up to date. And so that's exactly what I pay them. I don't pay them just what's on the bill. I pay them everything I owe them. You you need to keep up with however much you have on any particular credit card at any particular time. I know this young couple that they made a deal that uh, they always made sure the other one knew anything that they had charged. And they had a, a, one of those marker boards in their little office area. And they would come in every single day, and they would put up there anything that they charged, how much it was, and to who it was, and they had a running total. Anytime anybody needed to know, you know, what, how much do we have on credit cards, <clears throat> they could just go to that little marker board, and it was right there. As a married couple, you know, I think uh, during our premarital counseling around here, um, you know, the part that, that deals with money, there's been a good suggestion made during this premarital counseling that you set a particular place, a particular dollar amount that, that you both agree upon that you will not spend without consulting the other one. I think that's a wonderful plan. I don't think I have ever spent more than a, a couple hundred dollars at any one time without consulting him. I can't say that's true in reverse. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are those times when you got to go out, you got to go buy a new gate opener. You, you know, you got to go buy, and, it, and it's, you know, extra, you know, it's beyond that. I mean, that's just a necessity, something you're having to replace. But, but generally, we consult one another on, on anything. 
you know, about that kind of stuff. I mean, because we need to know where we are at all times. And if you're in, if you're married, you need to have a place where you're in a total agreement about how you handle this money. It seems that you get married and there's always one person who is very conservative, you know, miserly like me. We don't call it cheap. We can call it conservative. And, and, and we just want to hang on to every little dollar, you know, and, and somebody else is, is maybe like, you know, it's no big deal. You know, why are you getting so upset about it? Why are you getting so fret? Why are you fretting over? You know, and he's right. I shouldn't fret over it. You know, but at the same time, there's a good balance. And that's what ta- happens, you know, between us. You know, we balance one another out. You, if you, as long as you're tight and miserly like I've been for so many years, you'll never learn to be a generous person. And God can't bless a, gen- a non-generous person. You know, that we, as we're generous with our finances and generous with our time and, and all that, God's able to bless us again. But there's, there's a balance between it. You know, there's the, there's the, the person who overly spends, and then there's the differences of, between a generous person, somebody who overly spends, is what are you doing with it? Where's the focus of it? The overspender is spending it usually all on themselves, you know, and what they want. And the generous person is usually looking for somebody else that they can bless. You know, and that's the real difference. But uh, <clears throat> you can get into major debt with credit cards. And it's probably the worst thing you can do. You can overextend yourself really quickly. There, so I'm encouraging you to go home and sit down and take a look at all your credit cards. And see which ones you need to cut. Now, if you've got a business going... You know, probably the best thing you can do is keep your business credit cards separate from your personal credit cards. How many of you have businesses and you do that? That's the best way. Keep your personal finances and your business finances separated so you know which is which which at all times and they don't cross over into one another and get yourself caught like that. Uh, Make sure your receipts kept in a good place. Any receipt that's got anything to do with an item that's that's warranted, make sure you keep that. It's always good to keep it with maybe your warranty information. Um, Credit cards come with great great little perks like uh, there's a lot of credit cards now that will anything you buy, they will extend the warranty. They'll double the warranty on it. When the manufacturer's warranty runs out, they'll still give you another year's warranty or whatever the warranty might be on that. So that's a good benefit of using a credit card with those kind of things, features on it. Um, Don't go getting one credit card to pay off another credit card. It happens. You might get something in the mail that says, oh, transfer balances with 0% APR for the next six months. You know, you can get yourself in trouble with that. There's a name for that. And I forget, does anybody know the name for that kind of thing? Kiting, it's kind of like kiting. Yeah, it'll it'll catch you. Don't don't do that. If you ever find yourself, Pete? The cutoff dates, what do you mean? Oh, for the monthly billing cycle? It would always help to know that. Yes, it would. Uh, but in what context? Well, you know, that, that does bring up a good point. Thank you. If you know the cutoff dates for all of your credit cards and you're going on vacation, don't forget to pay your bills early. 
You know, send it in. If, you, if you're gone for a couple of weeks, you know, and you come back and the bill came in while you were gone and you passed your, your due date, you're in trouble. You know, you're suddenly, you, you know, you look like you're a late payment, that kind of thing. I do know that when you pay your bills on time, if something were to happen, that something, you know, like the, here lately, I think um, just about two months ago, uh, there was a, a, a bill that I had sent in, mailed in, the church bill, and it was a large bill because we put as much as we can on the credit card around here so that I only have to make one check at the end of the month. That check never got there. I told them, the, I called them up, I told them the, the day it was mailed, told them the amount, told them the check number. We searched, we went back and forth to banks, all kinds of stuff. It never arrived. Well, they were so sweet. They went back, looked at the history on the account, and they went, you're such a good payer, we're going to waive all the, the late payments, all the late fees. That's, what, that's the kind of favor paying bills on time and even early will get you. If something were to come up, something were to happen beyond your control, maybe you got sick, maybe you went in the hospital, you couldn't pay your, your bills on time, maybe you had a family emergency, you had to leave town, you know, you weren't here when the bill came in, you couldn't get it to them on time, maybe it got lost in the mail. The United States Postal System uses, I mean, lots of people, lots of hands, lots of machines, you know, have you ever been behind a UPS truck that's been in a wreck? You know, there are post office. The postal system has trucks that get in wrecks. I mean, weird things happen. You just can't explain it. Millions of people, pieces of mail go through this system all the time, and yours might be the one that gets lost. Yeah, but when they see that you're never late and that you're such a good payer, they will almost always come back and say, okay, we're going to waive all the fees. You know, that's the benefit of paying up front on time early and maybe more than the minimum, certainly more than the minimum, and even better if you're paying it off every single month. There's a lot of good advantages to that. Um, but that's where you find so much favor. Um, in your list of debts, when you go to sit down and put that all down, did you, how, how many of you did it yet? Okay, a, a few. All right. We're just going to pretend that you have a whole list of things on this debt sheet, okay? Hopefully not, but we're going to pretend. This, this sheet is for debts. It wouldn't hurt you to put your mortgage on here and keep a running balance on it all the time. Now, my, my mortgage, at least every single month, they send me this statement, and every month I see what the current balance is on that. Maybe you don't, but if you, know, if, if you can... You might want to just list it. Keeps you real up to date without having to go search out your receipts to find it. If you can just write it on here when you pay it on something like this, then you know at all times what you've got to work with. List all of your debts, including car payments. You know, the only debt that I think that is a real viable debt is probably your home. Because it's earning you some kind of equity. When you go to sell it, course, unless you're, you know, the, the, the economy we're in right now, sometimes people are upside down because they bought high and now the market's dropped out. But ordinarily in a real estate market, your house is an investment that's earning you something every single year. Nothing else will do that. That's one of the reasons why you need to be careful with a home equity line. To me, a home equity line is something I use to invest in my home so that any money I put on my equity line is going to 
get paid back to me by the investment I've made in my house. If you take your equity line and use it to pay off other consumer debts, you've put your house on the line for nothing. Absolutely nothing. At least if you use your home equity line to improve your house somehow, you've caused the value of that home to go up. And you'll recoup that value when you sell it. So it was a wise investment. But if you take your equity line and you use it on consumer debt, even a car, a vehicle, you have not made a wise decision with that. They try to get you all the time to make a, okay, let's consolidate all your money, all your debts, you know, give you one line of credit, use your home equity line. Don't do it. It's horrible. Horrible. So just forget that. But, you know, even, even at that particular point, you know, if you were in desperate straits, you know, I, I can't speak for all circumstances of what you might need to do. Maybe there's a medical emergency, you know. Those are the kind of things that might be an exception to that. But for the most part, use your home equity line strictly to what will improve your property and cause you to have money come back to you. That You will have spent it wisely enough that it will actually have been an investment. It's probably not wise to use home equity lines to actually invest in things like stock markets and that kind of thing. I'm not a financial counselor. You can go see Tammy back there on that. Uh, but... Um, you know, use wisdom on those kind of things. But when you have your list of debts, write them down. If you really are serious about paying off your debts, one of the things that you can do is list them in order of how much you owe and what the interest rate is. Start with the smallest loan. Pay it off. If you have to, if you have to make the minimum payments, which include any interest on all the rest of them to be able to pay this one off, do that. But then the next month, once you've paid it off, you add that same amount you used down here to pay that one off, you add it to the next one. It's called snowballing. You add it to the next one up the line, leaving the biggest one at the top, but you go up this and just snowball your way right out of debt. You move from the smallest one right on up, and every single time you pay off one debt, you use the money you used to put into that debt and put it into the next one on the list and get this thing paid off in a hurry. Um, you can go to, I'm a, I've got some papers tonight for some uh, resources, resource sites that you can go to that are books, websites, uh, all kinds of things that you can use as, as tools to help you get out of debt. You know, I think that it's probably the economy we're in, it's, it's real wisdom not to be spending money on much of anything other than absolute necessities and making sure your financial house is in order. We don't know what the economy is going to do. We know God will supply all of our needs. But we do not need to be unwise in the way we handle our money. And so I would like to see everybody get out of all consumer debt. The only debt maybe you have left is your home. Um, you get all these debts paid off, start putting some cash in the bank, put it in a money market account, let it grow some interest. The next time you need a vehicle, you'd be able to have a chunk of cash to be able to put into a vehicle. Be a whole lot better than financing the whole thing. You can go in, you might get a better rate of interest, you know, when you're financing less. When you're, you've got more to put down, obviously then your payments are not going to be as high if you had to get another car. Now, I want to ask you, when's a good time to trade in your car? At the end of the year. <laughs> when, Robert? When the new ones start to come. And yet, is it a good plan necessarily to buy a new vehicle? 
You know, there's, there's you know, the way things are with the car industry right now, there might be a time when a, when a brand new car is almost a better deal than a used car. When you get zero interest, it could very well be. You can talk them down. You know, you, can, you might actually get a brand new car for better than you could do a used car. But really, when's a good time to get rid of the car you have? Just because you're tired of it? No. We had an old blue Volvo one time that we got sick of about four times. You know, and then we'd go, okay, okay, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing from the Lord. You know, it's, it's great. And we finally got rid of it. I don't know, the odometer had quit working, and we were like over 200,000 miles. We have no idea how many miles that car had on it. But we got, we got tired of it and fell in love with it about four or five times. You know, just because it wasn't time to get another car. You know, but there's, a, there's one rule of thumb on one of these websites. I, I think it was Larry Burkett's, maybe it was Dave Ramsey, that said, really, if you have a car, uh, and I think he was assuming that you were making payments on it, if you have car repairs that need to be done to that vehicle that are more than at least six months' worth of car payments, then maybe you should consider getting another vehicle. I know my last car, I loved that car. I did not want to get rid of it, but it had about three or four things that needed to be done to it, and each one of them cost over $1,000. And, well, it was only worth about six, but I loved that car. <laughs> Until one night, Curtis came along as something was, something was dripping on the engine. I don't, to this day, know what it was. But it was smelling big time. Every time you turned the car off, you could hear it. You could hear it, ting, you know, the fizz going. You could smell it. He came by and he said, if you don't get rid of that car, it's going to catch on fire one of these days. And I'm going, oh, no, it's not. And then pastor comes along and says, yeah, I think we better get rid of it. Yes. So there are times when it's, yes, it's necessary to get rid of it. When it's necessary to get rid of it, believe God for a good trade-in. You know, we, we went down and got to looking, and, and we're just believing God. They'd give us a good, good price trade-in. And really, it wasn't worth the 6000 they gave me. But they gave me 6000 and I wasn't going to argue with that. I liked it just fine. But those are the times, not when, you're, not when you're like, oh, I'm just so sick of driving this old ugly thing. Well, go wash it. <laughs> go wax it. Clean it out. Get it all nice and shiny and spotless inside and out. And then look at it and go, oh, what a pretty car. And drive it another 50,000 miles. But if you're going to drive it 50,000 miles, you do need to maintain it. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just get tired of looking at the dirt. Yeah, just go wash it. You know, it'll, it'll look like a whole different car, I promise. A whole different color at least. <laughs> But uh, that is another area, you know, that you can, you can say, you know, being a steward of what God's given you. You know, if you don't take care of the things that you already have, it's hard for God to bless you with something else. You know, early, early on in our, in our life, you know, we had the early matrimonial furniture. You know, somebody, something somebody else was getting rid of that we didn't have one of. So we took that and, you know, I remember this couch that, that his sister was getting rid of. Her dog had gotten a hold of it. Well, we didn't have any furniture. 
and the dog had ripped the cushions, but well, hey, you know, it was a couch. It was actually pretty comfortable still. So we took that thing and we put an, put an old, old sheet over it, you know, kept it nice and tidy and everything. You know, I was grateful for it. Would I want that today? No. But you know, when you're young and you don't have anything, it's something to sit on. But we took as good a care of it as we possibly could. You know, and God blessed us. I mean, we used crates for end tables. I remember at one time, I won't get nostalgic, sweetie, I promise. I, I don't go, I'm not going there. You know, we, we, we had a mattress and box springs one time and no bed, so we slept on down the floor for six months until we got something. I mean, we're talking early matrimonial. Has anybody else been there but me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you do whatever it takes, you know, but take care of whatever it is. You might think of it, well, it just looks like junk. Well, does it have to look like junk? Can't you put a, an expensive cover over it? Can't you clean it up? I mean, you know, dust it. You know, whatever. You know, you can make it look as presentable as possible. For what, and then, thank God, you could be sitting on the floor. Sometimes we're just not grateful for what God has provided for us. We look at it as, well, that's just not, you know, what is that? Well, are you ready to sit on the floor? Are you ready to walk? You know, I remember when, uh, when uh, we got a, a truck, the very one of the first trucks. It was this big old huge thing. We called it Big Blue. And uh, Pastor Greg, we told him he was a teenager and going to Santa Fe and and he found out that we were going to buy this truck. And he's going, oh, yeah, 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 I've got to get a truck. And drove that thing home. He took one look at it, and he went, oh. <laughs> he was not impressed at all. But it was something to drive. He drove it gladly to school. Because if he didn't, he walked. Or he rode the bus. You know, the bus was the last thing you wanted to do as a junior in high school. So, so he took what he could. You know, when Old Blue served its, its days faithfully, you know, we went on from there. But he got to where he appreciated that thing. You know, we didn't think we had it very long, but uh, it was a good thing. Uh, I think I'm going to stop here for tonight. Yeah, questions. I'm not going over tonight like last week. I don't want to give him any ammunition. Danny. A fixed rate. Well, I think you'd have to probably know a little bit more about what you're doing with it. I mean, what, what are you transferring in all the details? I mean, you're going to have to search it out and, and look at it all and run the numbers and just see which is which. The best way you're going to be able, ever able to get out of any kind of credit card debt is to stop using it. There are some I mean, it's nice to have one in an emergency. You never know, if you, especially if you're traveling. This is an interesting thing. You know, I told you a few weeks ago that my parents, when they finally sold their, their house they'd been in for 30 years, my dad had been sitting on a piece of prime property in Jacksonville for 30 years. He knew that one day he'd get a lot of money out of it. And he had been offered a lot of things, and it was never what he wanted. When he finally sold it, he walked off with, he knitted a million dollars. Well, by the time he paid his tithe first and his taxes, and they bought another house. They had a little nest egg, good nest egg left over. They invested some of it, and they kept some of it in the bank. Well, my dad died last year. Um, my mother 
you know, we, we, they had one credit card on because they'd gone on a cruise a couple of years ago with an aunt, and that's the only credit card they had. And uh, so we call the credit card company. There's a lot of unscrupulous people out there. They see death notices. You know, they get a hold of information. You know, they, they use some fraud identity and their identity theft and all that. So we call the credit card company to let them know my daddy passed away. Well, you had to go through all that rigmarole. They canceled her credit card. So okay, she needs a credit card. She's gotten used to having it. She can only, she can use it for her gas and all these little things and pay it at the end of the month with one check. That's good for her. She couldn't get a credit card. She didn't have anything in her name. That credit card was strictly in my dad's name with her as an authorized user. It wasn't as a joint account. She's got all this, this, this money. She's got enough, well more than enough money in the bank to cover any credit card debt. But because they didn't have a car payment, they had, she didn't have a credit card in her name, they didn't have a house payment, they had, they had nothing on a credit, she had nothing in a credit report. She could not get a credit card. Thousands of dollars in the bank and could not get a credit card. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. So we had, we had to fight for a credit card, you know, after that. But we did get one. Glenda. Exactly. The suggestion was made to me that I co-sign for my mother on a credit card. And I went, no. Because that, that comes on my credit history, on my credit record, my credit rating. And so, no, I did not want to put my name on that. I knew my mother was more than good for it. You know, that, that's not what we wanted to do. Well, we finally, you know, I, God worked in our behalf, and we were able to finally get her a credit card. You know, but it was, it was ridiculous, what we, the hoops we had to jump through to get that. Just crazy. So if you're married, you need to have, make sure things are in joint accounts with two people's, not as an authorized user, but as a joint account with two people's names on that. Uh, mortgages need to be there. There's, you know, there's some positive things about having some credit history out there. The problem we have in con today's consumer society is that there's way too much credit, you know, that we've, we've gotten ourselves involved in. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You are. Ah. Here. Here's my ushers. There is a thing right on here uh, for cre annual credit reports. I'm going to pass these resources out to you. Now, I was probably, I'm going to go over here probably here in a second. But if uh, you, need, you do need to check your credit report at least every other year, possibly once a year. If there are mistakes on your credit report, you can't just call the credit reporting agency up, you know, like, what's one of them? Is it T, what's one of the credit reporting agencies? Equifax. You can't just call Equifax up and say, this is a mistake. You have to find out what the mistake is. Go back to the, to the merchant, vendor, company, whatever it is that that involves and straighten it out with them. And then they have to make the corrected report to Equifax or whichever one it is. You can't just say, now, if something were to come up, uh, say there's been a major medical problem in your home, maybe there's been a divorce, you know what, 
you, you can ask them to, to add certain comments to your credit report that will kind of explain maybe some why, maybe some things were late, why some things happened the way it did. You know, it won't maybe change your credit report, but it will put some kind of an understanding on there for anybody who might check it later. But yeah, you do need to check your credit report. Make sure that your the names are right, that you're not getting reported from somebody else or somebody else isn't getting your stuff. Uh, it's amazing. There's, a, there's an Edwin and Angela Anderson somewhere here in the state of Florida besides us. I mean, who would have thought? You know, with two names like that, you could have had somebody else with our names. But there is. And so, I mean, I don't know... A lot of names are real common, and a lot of times they get Social Security numbers mixed up when they report things. You know, you don't ever know, so you need to check that on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Yes, you do need, if, if you go home and the Lord starts dealing with you about, about cutting up some of your credit cards, you need to contact your credit card company tell them you are closing this account. Closing it. Maybe you still owe some money on it, but you say, fine, I'll pay it. I'm going to pay the balance, but it won't be used anymore. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.